You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 232 of the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. Today, we're heading across to the US, to Ohio, to meet eighth generation farmer Zoe Kent. Zoe grows 2,000 acres of corn and soybeans, and she has amassed a whopping 420,000 followers across Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram, sharing her farming life. She graduated from college in 2017 and worked for her dad, Mickey, as an employee before becoming a partner in 2019 and taking on the business fully in 2021 when her dad retired. Uh, She holds an ag business degree from Ohio State University. Zoe, this is very exciting to have you on. Welcome to Meet the Farmers. Um, I'm trying uh, to get more guests from across the world um on the show and uh yeah so today's the turn of the states uh, but yeah great to have you on thank you so much for having me i'm excited for this oh, i'm excited too um tell us about farming in ohio first of all because i mean i'm guessing there's gonna be lots of corn and soybeans uh, but uh yeah tell us more about farming in the state and the state in general Yes. Um, so we have some flat ground where I'm at. There's some parts of Ohio that are pretty rolly where they have more cattle operations. Um, we have some hogs around us too. Um, but yeah, corn, soybeans everywhere, a little bit of wheat. Um, I think one farmer in the County planted some barley this year. So there's not too much diversification there. Um, and then currently, uh, Ohio is miserable. Um, I, I coach at a local high school and last week they had one day of school and the kids are just stir crazy. And of course schools canceled again today and, um, being a grain farmer, I do most of my hauling in January. So it is making it just really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's mad. We've been uh, watching, it's been on the, on the news a bit this end. Um, so we've sort of seen it from afar, but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you get some you get some mad weather in the states, but this is uh this is going going quite far, isn't it? How long has it been going on for? And, and can you just sort of give us some of the extremes? Um, so last week, our I know that some people had like negative degrees. It got down to three for us um, last week. It was three up until like ten degrees for most of the week, and so things were just absolutely frozen solid. And we're working on a tile project right now, and. Um, that, that involves people standing outside and hooking things up manually. So, uh, for safety reasons, we didn't get any of that stuff done last week. And then this week it's just icy and snow here. So it's, it's manageable. Um, but it's just not, not fun to be playing around in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I should say for, for our UK listeners as well, I'm guessing those temperatures are in Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Yes, yes, but I cannot do that calculation for you. At, <laughs> Nor can at this I. <laughs> so I might, I might try and work it out later. But um, yeah, if if any if any listeners are trying that out at the moment, yeah, you'll know that is pretty cold. Um, tell us about the farm now. Um, so you're cropping um, soil type, um, challenges, opportunities that you have on the farm. Yes. Um. So we don't do. Do you guys do irrigation in your area? Yeah, so it it depends where you are. Um and it depends okay. obviously what you're growing. There is there is a fair yeah. amount of irrigation going on. 
Okay. Yeah. So we do not do any irrigation. The thing that we usually deal with is excess water. Um, and so like I had mentioned, we're doing a tiling project there. Our soil types really range. Um, we have some sandy ground, some mucky ground, I would say in our area, we don't deal with like too much rolling ground. Things are pretty, pretty flat where I am at, but yeah, uh, last year, like our challenge that we had is that we got the smoke from Canada and there was lots of research on if that was going to be negatively impacting our yields or not, uh, still a little inconclusive there. Okay. And then specifically like where we're at in Ohio, we've been dealing with uh, tar spot on the corn and then vomitoxin levels in our corn the last two years, just due to some kind of, uh, wetter falls that like to grow mold. Fun times. Um, uh, and, uh, give us sort of some of your story into farming, um, because, I think you've you've got a brother and a sister as well, so you're one of three. But uh, you're the only one who's sort of gone into the farm. Um, but did you always want to farm? Did you want to do anything else? Yes. So I did always want to farm. There was one time in fifth grade where I got the idea I wanted to be a hairdresser, um, and that was pretty much shot down pretty quick by my parents. Um, I. <laughs> I do not have a steady hand. I would not ever be able to cut straight. It would be, <laughs> it, it was a harebrained idea. Um, but yeah, always wanted to be a farmer. Um, my, my brother did work on the farm a little bit in high school, didn't really enjoy it too much. Um, and my sister, she was pretty involved with 4-H and FFA as well. Um, but my brother is an ornithologist. He studies, um, avian flu and birds and he's a professor at a college and oh, he really okay. enjoys doing that it, he's he's a very academically driven person um so a little bit different from farm life and then my little sister uh she currently lives in new york city and she works at one of the largest museums there wow. uh, doing events um so she wanted to live in a city she wanted to have to dress up for work be in an office uh, but yeah, I always just, I, I really enjoyed working on the farm from a young age. My first job on the farm was mowing the yard. And once I could prove to my dad that I could drive in a pretty straight line, then I got to go work ground. So I did that in high school. Um, and so when I was in high school, that'd be like around 2013 when I was graduating, my dad had a lot of the 40 series John Deere's. So kind of older tractors. And he was kind of doing the deciding on, okay, I can either start upgrading my equipment so that when you come onto the farm, we kind of have newer stuff. Or if you're not interested in farming, I could kind of scale back a little bit, just keep running this older equipment and just go till I want to retire. But I was, I was really interested in farming. Uh, my parents really wanted me to get a four-year degree. So it, I, I think it was really good for me to get away. Just, I live in a very small town, uh, rural, and it was nice for me to experience something else for four years. Yeah. And see, um, see some more people. Yeah. <laughs> meet people, people with different backgrounds. We have a very, very white demographic here, uh, in my town. So it, it was nice being able to experience different cultures, different people of economic, you know, status, um, so that was really good. So yeah, and then I came back to work with my dad, and it's been fun ever since. Yeah, I bet it has. Um, now you're the you're, you're the eighth generation um, on your farm at the moment. Um, so whenever whenever I meet a farmer who's been the family's been farming, especially in the same place that long, um, I'm a little bit obsessed with sort of finding out the history about it. So can you give us some some history yes. of the place? Yeah, and that's one of those things. Usually, when I say I'm eighth generation, people assume I'm a huge operation and I've amassed all of this ground that's paid for. Yeah. That's not 
quite the situation just because with, you know, every generation things get split up, split in half, split into thirds or fourths. Yep. Um, but yeah, so eight generations ago, um, a man moved to my town and they did, uh, it was through a land act where if you farmed a field for a certain number of years, uh, you could keep it. So it was like 50 acres and that, oh, wow. that farm has been passed down, uh, and I'm farming it now, but yeah, we, we came here to this town and we never left. <laughs> Amazing. I was going to say, yeah, 50 acres to 2000. That's a, that's pretty good progress. I'd say. Yeah. And, and, uh, my, my dad, he's, he's responsible for a lot of it. Uh, his dad, my grandfather had only farmed 300 acres. So my dad really expanded the operation. I'm really proud of him for that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and what about the, you recently gone through the transition, um, between your dad and, and yourself in terms of succession. Um, with, uh, we're, we're talking more and more, actually, certainly on the podcast um, and uh, and in ag generally in the UK, now just actively talking about succession because a lot of people just don't, certainly a lot of family farms just don't want to talk about it maybe until it's too late. Um, but you, you've clearly, you've gone through this process. So I'm interested in how you dealt with the farm succession planning process and and how easy that's been. Yes. Um, so, and there are a few factors on why we decided to do it when we did, um, one just being my dad, uh, he, he stressed for many years on what was going to happen to the farm, uh, when his dad decided to retire because he did not want to talk about it. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to have those conversations. And so my dad for years, you know, just stressed about how it would happen and, and it worked out exactly how it should have. Um, but he, he wanted to transition it at a younger age so that I would be set up knowing what I was doing. Um, and, and he's had a few health issues. Um, so starting in 2019, he wasn't able to do uh, a lot of the physical labor. And so that was kind of another factor there. Um, but we had kind of decided it would be it's it's one thing to be business partners with your dad being 51%, you being 49, because really he's making all the calls. Um, and and it's it's one thing to watch someone make the decisions. And it's another, it's a whole other thing to be the person that's making those calls yeah. and learning from your own mistakes. And for me, I take everything personal. So so uh, but it it's been good. And I think the key to making it be successful is we've been having these conversations for 10 years. Not to say that if you you need that long to make a successful, you know, a successful plan. Um, but I, you know, since I have siblings, it was like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is how we can be fair to everyone. Um, and then uh just lots and lots of conversations with our lawyer, with our accountant with our loan officers, because, you know, being a farm that has a lot of loans, you, you transition debt. Um, so it was just keeping everyone in the loop and no, no surprises. Um, and what kind of made our transition from being partners to, um, me buying my dad out is that when we made our LLC and we became partners, we put that, um, transition plan into place on what we would do. Now we expected to uh, be partners for five years. And then uh, when it got to the three year mark, that's when we decided, you know, it's going to be the same thing if we transition now or in a couple more years. So we're just going to go ahead and do that transition. Amazing. So does this mean your dad now works for you? <laughs> um, so he is my largest landlord. I unfortunately do not own any ground at this oh, okay. time. So, so while I'm in charge, 
he can pull a few strings being my <laughs> being my landlord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. This episode is being supported by our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. The Howden team shares my passion for giving a voice to farmers, and we are both driven to raise the profile of farming voices to a wider audience. Howden Rural do a lot of work on social media themselves, sharing farming accounts and farming stories. They have a rural community blog which shares farmers' experiences, they also support a growing number of initiatives that champion UK farmers, including this podcast. So a big thank you to Howden Rural for supporting Meet the Farmers. Let's, uh, let's move on to um, uh, talking about um, uh, a situation that, that happened on the farm actually a, a few years ago, which I was, I was really sorry to hear about. But you, you lost a, a full-time employee who'd been with you on the farm for 23 years um this was back in 2018 um he had he had an accident um and that must have been a really really difficult time um but uh yeah so i'm just wondering if you could like take me through the impact of that um because when i speak to people who uh, you know hey farm accidents happen um accidents happen generally as well um and uh but this does have especially when it's someone who has that huge amount of experience on a place it has a huge impact on a farm yes for sure so um our, our employee's name was johnny he uh was hired the year i was born actually so my mom has always worked full time and uh when there was two of us uh, my dad had a lot of running around to do and he decided he needed to to get some help on the farm and he had he'd grown up with uh johnny and um, so he came to work on the farm and obviously being, you know, at the farm for 23 years, there were many things that he did that my dad didn't even know how to run anymore. Like he ran our grain bins, um, and he was completely in charge of all of the spraying that we did. And wow. so, you know, full-time employee, he did a lot of things. And so, um, initially when he passed away, obviously we were devastated and, you know, we, we didn't start making changes, you know, for for a couple of weeks, just because, you know, it was, it was fresh. Um, but we had decided at that time that we just needed to, we needed to, uh, make things easier for ourselves. So rather than trying to find someone else, shove them into the position and try to, you know, have someone fill all of those roles for us, we decided to cut back some of the things that we were doing on the farm and kind of streamline some things. So one of the things we did is we sold our sprayer and we got a co-op to do our spraying for us. Um, and then we had a part-time employee, uh, who had just been helping out, um, in the falls that we asked him to, to work some more hours. And he originally said, no, <laughs> 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 he, he originally said, no, just, he owns his own business and he had had, um, a really good year. And he said, you know, I just, I don't think I can put that many more hours in. And then I believe it was an hour later, uh, he called back and he's like, no, 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 this is, this is a huge mistake. I've always wanted to farm. Of course. Oh, yes, great. I will. I will come on. Um, so, so, you know, we, we've kind of just rearranged some of the roles that we do here. Um, but it, it was one of those things where it, it took a full year of going through a full crop and it was like, we would find tools and stuff. And it was like, Oh, Donnie must've used this to, to get this lever unstuck. And, you could kind of, it was like, we were just learning as we were going. Um, but it's, it's one of those things I don't regret because some people, some people say that, you know, someone who's in charge of an operation should know how to do every single task. And other people would go 
and would say that, you know, people should specialize and you should just focus on, you know, working on the business and not in the business. Um, and I don't, I don't regret, you know, having him do those things. And yeah, it was a little bit of a learning curve after he had passed. Um, but it, it was definitely an experience that taught me that, you know, that was something I hadn't even like occurred could happen because like, so when my, like my dad growing up, he had many different health issues. And so I was always like, Oh, one day my dad's going to be gone. And then it was like, I had never contemplating contemplated, uh, someone else passing away. And it was, it, I learned a lot that it's like, you can get through these things and you know, it's like something can feel like the worst case scenario. And then you can push through it and get a little bit stronger from it and learn things from it. So obviously I wish it hadn't happened, but I think it did ultimately, uh, make me a little bit stronger. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And yeah, sorry, think, that was yeah, a lot of yeah. lot of rambling there. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Often, yeah, um, yeah. It, it was just so it just made me think. Actually, it's sort of yeah. Sometimes you yeah you can plan and plan and plan, can't you? But also, you can't really plan for the unexpected. Um, and occasionally things will happen, but it's how you react and and it's how you react to those situations and that and ultimately yeah it will be fine in the end you'll find a way um but just leading on from that as well i suppose it just made me think of of people um uh and sort of moving forward your your aspirations with the business where, where you want to take it and um whether you see um yeah for example uh, more people coming onto the farm in in, in some ways whether that's in, employed or, or otherwise uh do you see expanding the operation? Do you see yourself sort of staying roughly where you are? What's your sort of view of the future? Yes. Um, so I, I would prefer to grow, um, for our area, we are more on the smaller side of operations. Um, and I, I would love to buy some of my own ground. I've been patiently waiting for that. <laughs> um, there's, there's a program that we have here. It's called the young farmers program. And basically on your first farm, you can get, um, a reduced interest rate on it. They kind of help you out. Um, but you have to do it within your first 10 years of, of farming full time. So I am hoping I can, I can, can find some ground. That would be awesome. Uh, just something to call my own. Just, um, I am very proud of taking over the operation, but I would like to, um, expand and, and make some of the things my own with, with the, our current setup with, uh, the guys that we have for spring and fall, I could expand, um, a little bit without really significantly growing or taking more people on full time. So getting kind of to that sweet spot where we're at maxed out capacity for what we can do is, is really what I'm looking for. in then the next few years, hopefully. Yeah. Um, while we're thinking of that as well, um, let's just maybe think as well, uh, in terms of sort of young farmers, um, in the States and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that you are, you're pretty young to be taking on, um, a, a, an operation of your kind, um, in terms of generally in, in, in the States, um, I mean, farmers tend to be, yeah, older, usually older men, um, which, uh, you're, you, you don't fit that category. So what's it, what's it like being, a younger woman, um, in charge of an operation such as yours. Yes. Um, so it's, it's actually been going very smoothly. When I first came back to the farm, um, I would get the, the occasional comment of, Oh, I'm glad your dad's has a secretary or your dad's letting him hang out with you. Just, you know, those 
annoying yeah. comments here or there. But um, honestly, the more that I'm in it, the more that people see me day to day, they they know that I'm in charge. And my dad did a really great job of uh, when we did the buyout and when different producers and people that we worked with would call him to ask about business, he would say, I'm sorry, you need to call my, my daughter's phone and talk good. to her. Yeah. So he he did a really good job of just kind of setting those boundaries up for me. I think that really helped. Yeah. And in terms of diversity generally, so again, in the UK, we've, we've just had uh, the Oxford Farming Conference, which is a yeah, big conference here. Um, and the theme was diversity, and that was sort of diversity in, in all its ways. So it's looking at whether it's diversity of nature or diversity of people or diversity of thinking and, uh, yeah, sort of beating stereotypes, I suppose, and in- encouraging others into the industry. What, what's the situation um, in the States from from your point of view in terms of um, encouraging other people, perhaps even from non-farming backgrounds, um, into into the industry? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I would agree. A lot of farmers are older men and that is generally what I see in my day to day. But when I started posting online, I, I kind of went in with the intention of finding a community because I was just with men that were 30 years old or older than me every day. And yeah. and my dad was, you know, transitioning to retirement. And so I, 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 I craved talking to people that were, you know, getting started and were like hungry to, to start things. Um, and so online, I've really found a lot of, a lot of younger people that are getting into the industry and it's been really encouraging. And I, I do think social media plays a really big role in inspiring that next generation to, to get into agriculture. Yeah. Let's talk about that and, and how your social media grew. But first of all, why did you start it? And did you start on Instagram? Where, where did you start? No, I, I started on TikTok, which is kind of ironic because it's my okay. smallest platform. Um, but I, I had had a friend who was a teacher and he, he had found some success online doing uh, teacher TikToks. And I had talked to him one day and, and he knew you know what I was doing at the farm. And he's like, I really think you should put this online. I think people would find it really interesting. And at that point, I didn't know there were you know, thousands of farmers online just because it hadn't been in my feed. I just hadn't been seeing it. Um, so it, it was kind of like just trying to find a community and then also, um, teaching like my friends and stuff about farming because so like when I went to Ohio state, I was on the cheerleading team. So I spent a lot of time with people that were outside of my major and they were just truly fascinated. It had so many basic questions, not, you know, not technical questions of why are you putting this much nitrogen on your corn? Just like, okay, what do you do with your corn? Who do you sell it to? Um, so I knew, I knew there was a need for just answering basic questions. And so I, I kind of try to cater to farmers and people that, uh, are interested in farming. Um, and so, yeah, those, those are kind of my two main objectives. And then I've been really lucky to be able to monetize it and make it kind of, uh, a diversification on my farming operation. Um, cause I feel like the, the thing to do is to diversify, um, farm operations these days, if you can't, you know, ex- expand and I haven't been able to expand yet. So I've kind of just found another, another path for that. Yeah. I'd say it is. It's really interesting to see, yeah, farmers, yeah, yeah, diversify as, as you say in in this way. Um, uh, I mean, there are, yeah, there there, there are the, the the obvious sort of positives, I suppose, um, of, of having a, a social media presence and, and and building that over time. But uh, 
there must be another side of the coin as well. I mean, what are the what are the downsides other than the amount of time I suppose it must take? Uh, yeah, it's it's the uneducated people or the people that see one video and make huge assumptions about you. Um, just I I I get a lot of the comments of oh your dad's letting you pretend like you farm and you just get into the tractors to make videos and you don't really care about farming you know you're just here to be a superstar or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's not that it shouldn't happen online, but it is kind of a thing that when you start posting online, you know, it's something that's going to come with the territory. Um, but I've gotten really used to just hitting that block button. And I try to keep my pot, my page, super positive, super family friendly, uh, and lighthearted. I, I, I know people have different strategies on that. And, and I think sometimes there is benefits of arguing with people online, uh, just if they have, uh, misunderstandings about maybe how your agricultural practices work. Uh, but I tend to just block and keep my focus on the positive. Yeah. I think that sounds, that sounds a good way of good way of doing it. And you must get lots of, lots of questions as well as looking at the positive. What, what sort of things do people ask? Yes. Um, so I, we have field corn here. I think one of the biggest questions I get is, you know, Oh, if you're spraying that, you know, is it safe to eat? And I always have to iterate that all of, all of my soybeans go into ethanol production. Uh, we have some large ethanol plants here in Ohio. Um, and so I usually just, you know, reiterate, I'm not eating this corn. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of just a lot of questions there. People have very simple questions about the process too, of just how do you sell it? How do you like, what, what do you sell it for? Um, I've done a lot of videos explaining like what commodities are and how I'm not individually like selling my corn. Um, so it's just, it's really basic questions that people have. Yeah, no, no, I, I, mean, I, I find that really interesting as well, just sort of, because it is, it's in some ways, I think it, it's the basics that are actually more important in some ways isn't it when, when you're looking at that broader broader audience because when someone doesn't know anything at all um it's it's sort of just just doing that gently gently isn't it in terms of yeah and just being completely open to uh to, to what you're doing which is uh why i think it's one of the great things that um all you guys who, who are out there on social media showing what you're doing it's a great shop window for ag isn't it it's actually showing what farming is doing at the forefront Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's a great opportunity just because so many people don't have access to seeing a farm in real life. Just, you know, if you live in a city, my my nephew in particular, he lives in Maryland. So he's a few states over. He lives in a college town because that's where my brother teaches. And he gets online and he watches YouTube's base towards children. And he can name every type of tractor, what they're doing. He totally understands the process. And oh, wow. he's net, you know, it's he he comes home a few times times a year to the farm and sees things in person, but he has just this, this wealth of knowledge just from seeing it on YouTube. Yeah. Amazing. Just a little more about our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. Same people, different name. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new, exciting diversification venture. So for more information, visit howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural. Um, we have touched on your future plans and where you'd like to go, but uh, I wonder just as a bit of fun, if we sort of just imagine sort of 10 years time, 
um zoe in 10 years time what are you doing what does life look like Oh, oh man. In 10 years time, I I'd like to be doing our spraying again ourselves. Uh, that's been something I have been toying with. Um, I'd love to have uh, a new dryer set up, uh, just things being more of a well-oiled machine around here. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm trying a few different, uh, methods. We've gone back and forth with no-till and cover crops and a few different con- conservation practices and um, just seeing kind of where that farming go- goes and what really works long, long way. Um, and we've also been trying chicken litter on our farming operation for the first time this year. And so I just, I- I'll be really interested to see which practices we stick with and um, just kind of what our standard practices end up being down the road. Yeah, amazing. So you're you're quite early on in, into those trials, um, especially especially with especially with zero till, for example. Um, yeah. So we have uh, one farm that's been in in uh, no till for eight years, and then we have a few that we've put in recently, and then with cover crops. Um, I'd say really in the last four or five years, as we've been trying different things, and uh, definitely been learning a lot there. Just. Um, we've been finding you really have to manage them because we, we got slugs and we got voles, uh, just due to that additional stuff out there. Uh, the, the more residue sitting in the fields. Um, so really kind of learning how to, how to manage it and use it efficiently. Interesting. Meet the Farmers is brought to you by Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialize in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organisations and communities like you tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be, getting your message out there and networking with leaders in your niche. Rural Pod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk. That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk. Let's move on to the quick questions. Um, These are a bit of fun. Um, The first is, if you could travel anywhere in the world, um, because we know that farmers don't often get off their farms and uh, they should do a little bit, uh, where would you go and why? Okay. This is a lame answer because I've already been here, but Hawaii, uh, we went to Hawaii for the first time this summer. Uh, my fiance has been to all 50 States and that was the last state wow. for him to go to. Um, to all 50 it, States. Yeah. That's yep, that was, that was a goal. He wanted to go to him by the time he was 30 and he, he was 30 and a half when we got to Hawaii, but we kind of wow. saved the best for last, but yeah, it's a, it's a lovely place. Um, but I would, I would love to spend more time in the UK as well. Just went in December and it was just lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Come over. Um, yeah. May, May, June is especially nice, although that's going to be a busy time. It's a busy farming yeah. time. So <laughs> it's a bit of an issue. Um, and the second quick question is your all time favorite song or something oh. when, you're, when you're, when you're out in the, in the tractor cab, what, what are you listening to? Okay. It's all Taylor Swift all the time. I am a huge Swifty. Um, there's almost never country music playing in my tractors. It's, it's almost always exclusively Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. Vote for Swifty there. And the final questions, uh, Zoe, if you had any message for the public, one message, what would it be? 
Uh, be curious, stay curious. Um, I think sometimes people can latch onto one fact and, you know, it's, I, I heard this, I heard that, but if you, if you listen and you seek out good resources, you can learn a lot. Yeah. And a message for your fellow farmers, wherever they are in the world. Yes. Um, I know for me personally, the last few weeks, I have really been struggling with just the markets have been down and it has been cold and damp. And just like a reminder to everyone that farming is cyclical. You're going to have good years. You're going to have bad years. You're going to have good weeks. You're going to have bad weeks, but it's, it's going to get better. Brilliant. I like that message. Yeah. Stay positive guys. Um, and finally your recommendation for a blog podcast or social media account to follow, uh, which can be farming, but it doesn't need to be farming. Well, follow me at Farmazoe, shameless plug. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Get that in there. I was, I was going to yeah. ask you that afterwards anyway, but yeah. No, I really enjoy the uh, farming Farm for Profit podcast. It is a banker, a auctioneer, and a farmer. And they have experts on one day a week. And then they have fun podcasts where they have just friends and other people in the industry on. And I think it's really educational while also being entertaining. Brilliant. Great, great plug for that one. Um, we'll leave it there. Zoe, thank you so much for coming on. That went really quickly, but, um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That is it for today. Uh, a big thank you to my guest, Zoe Kent for coming on the show. Uh, thank you also for listening and to our primary podcast sponsor uh, for the show, Howden Rural Insurance. Um, any links, anything mentioned in today's show that's in the show notes, um, including, uh, we'll put links to Zoe's social media handles in there as well. Um, next time, um, I'll be visiting Mike Duxbury on his farm, um, the inclusive farm. Uh, Mike's story as a blind farmer um, is really inspiring. Um, so I hope you can tune in for that. Um, don't forget to check out our sister show, Rural Business Focus, um, which you can find wherever you're listening to this. Um, I'll be back with you next week. But for now, I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers. Thank you very much for listening. 